Chapter Fifty of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Fifty: A Brave Man Runs Away. It may be the power of honesty, or it may be strength of character, coupled with a more than usual brightness of sagacity, but whatever the cause may be, the result seems always to be the same, in spite of inborn humility, to wit, that poor old Davy Llewellyn, wherever his ups and downs may throw him, always has to take the lead. This necessity, as usual, seemed to be arising now at Narnton Court, the very last place in the world where one could have desired it. Since the present grand war began, with the finest promise of lasting, because nobody knows any cause for it, so that it must be a law of nature, I have not found much occasion to dwell upon common inland incidents. These are in nature so far below all maritime proceedings that a sailor is tempted to forget such trifles as people are doing ashore even upon holy scripture since the stirring times began for me henceforth to chronicle it has not been my good luck to be able to sit and think of anything nevertheless i am almost sure that it must have been an active man of the name of nehemiah who drew for his rations every day one fat ox and six choice sheep and fowls of order various all of these might i have claimed if my capacity had been equal to this great occasion hence it may be well supposed that the kitchen was my favourite place whenever i deigned to enter into converse with the servants at first the head cook was a little shy but i put her soon at her ease by describing from my vast breadth of experience the proper manner to truss and roast a man and still better a woman the knowledge i displayed upon a thing so far above her level coupled with my tales of what we sailors did in consequence led this excellent creature so to appreciate my character and thirst for more of my narratives than i never could come amiss even at dishing up time but here i fell into a snare as every seaman is sure to do when he relaxes his mind too much in the charms of female society not concerning the cook herself for i gave her to understand at the outset that i was not a marrying man and she possessing a husband somewhere resolved not to hanker after me but by means of a fair young maid newly apprenticed to our head cook although of a loftier origin more than once while telling my stories i had obtained a little glimpse of long bright ringlets flashing and of shy young eyes just peeping through the hatch of the scullery door where the huckaback towel hung down from the roller and then on detection there used to ensue a very quick fumbling of small red hands as if being dried with a desperate haste in the old jack towel and then a short sigh and light feet retiring when this had happened for three or four times i gave my head cook a sudden wink and sprang through the scullery door and caught the little red hands in the fold of the towel and brought forth the owner in spite of deep blushes and even a little scream or two 
Then I placed her in a chair behind the jack-chains, and continued my harrowing description of the way I was larded for roasting once by a score of unclothed gabooners, also how the skewers of barwood thrust in to make me of a good rich colour when I should come to table, had not that tenacity which our English wood is gifted with so that i was enabled to shake after praying to god for assistance my right arm out and then my left and after clapping both together to restore circulation it came providentially into my head to lay hold of the spit and charge them and then ensued such a scene as i could not even think of laying before young and delicate females this young girl whose so name was polly always at this pitch of terror not only shivered but shuddered so and needed support for her figure beyond the power of stays to communicate also let such tears begin to betray themselves and then retreat and then come out and defy the world with a brave sob at their back almost that i do not exaggerate in saying how many times i had the pleasure of roasting myself for the sake of them however it always does turn out that pleasures of this sort are transient and i could not have been going on with polly more than ten days at the utmost when i found myself in a rare scrape to be sure and this was the worst because sir philip so strongly desired my presence now perhaps in the vain hope of my convincing that obstinate squire of his brother's innocence when that brother should return now i need not have spoken as yet of miss polly if she had been but a common servant because in that case her peace of mind would have been of no consequence to the household but as it happened she was a person of no small importance by reason of the very lofty nature of her connections for she was no less than genuine niece to the lady housekeeper mrs cockhanterbury herself and hence she became the innocent cause of my departure from narnton court before i had time to begin my inquiries about the two poor little children this i had made up my mind to do as soon as that strange idea had crossed it while i was gazing upon the sea and my meaning was to go through all the traces that might still be found of them and the mode of their disappearance it is true that this resolve was weakened by a tempest which arose that very same evening after the channel had looked so insignificant and which might have been expected after that appearance nevertheless i must have proceeded according to my intention if my heart had not been too much for me in the matter of polly cockhanterbury being just now in my sixtieth year i could not prove such a coxcomb of course as to imagine that a pretty girl of two-and-twenty could care for me so that no course remained open to me as an honourable man and gallant british officer who studies his own peace of mind except to withdraw from this too tempting neighbourhood and in this resolution i was confirmed by mrs cockhanterbury's reluctance to declare in a binding manner her intentions towards her niece also by finding that somehow or other the whole of the ground-floor at narnton court had taken it into their heads to regard me as a man of desirable substance it is possible that in larger moments when other people were boasting i may have insisted a little too much upon my position as landowner in the parish of newton nottage 
also i may have described too warmly my patronage of the schoolmaster and investment of cash with a view to encourage the literature of the parish but i never could have said what all of them deposed to such a very strong untruth as to convey the conclusion even to a devonshire state of mind that colonel lower and i divided the whole of the parish between us be that as it may there was not any maid over thirty who failed to set her cap at me and my silver hair was quite restored to a youthful tinge of gold hence i was horrified at the thought that polly might even consent to have me for the sake of my property and upon discovering its poetical existence lead me a perfectly wretched life as bad as that of poor heaviside so that in spite of all attractions and really serious business and the important duty of awaiting the captain's return from pomeroy castle and even in spite of jerry tom's offer to take polly off my hands as if she would say a word to him and all the adjurations of poor heaviside who had defied his wife all the time i was there to back him up and now must have to pay out for it what did i do but agree to doff my uniform and work my passage on board the majestic a fore-and-aft rigged limestone boat of forty-eight tons and a half of course she was bound on the usual business of stealing the good colonel lower's rocks but i distinctly stipulated to have nothing to do with that my popularity now was such with all ranks of society also i found myself pledged for so many stories that same evening that i imparted to none except sir philip and polly and jerry toms and heaviside and one or two more the scheme of my sudden departure my mind was on the point of changing when i beheld sweet polly's tears until i felt that i must behave at my time of life as her father would because she had no father when i brought the majestic into shallow water off the tuscar every inch of which i knew it was no small comfort to me that i could not see the shore for years i had longed to see that shore and dreamed of it perpetually while tossing ten thousand miles away and now i was glad to have it covered with the twilight fogginess it suited me better to land at night only because my landing would not be such as i was entitled to and every one knows how the navy and army drop in public estimation when the wars seem to be done with therefore i expected little and i give you my word that i got still less it may have been over eleven o'clock but at any rate nothing to call very late just at the crest of the summer-time when i gave three good strong raps at the door of my own cottage knowing exactly where the knots were i had not met a single soul to know me or to speak my name although the moon was a quarter old and i found a broken spar and bore it as i used to bear my fishing-pole no man who has not been long a-roving can understand all the fluttering ways of a man's heart when he comes home again how he looks at every one of all the old houses he knows so well at first as if he feared it for having another piece built on or grander people inside of it and then upon finding this fear vain he is almost ready to beg its pardon for not having looked at it such a long time it is not in him to say a word to or even about the children coming out thus to stare at him all the children he used to know are gone to day's work long ago and the new ones would scarcely trust him so as to suck a foreign lollipop he knows them by their mothers but he cannot use their names to them there is nothing solid dwelling for a poor man long away except the big trees that lay hold upon the ground in earnest and the tombstones keeping up his right to the parish churchyard 
along the wall of this i glanced with joy to keep outside of it while i struck for the third time strongly at not being let into mine own house at last a weak and faltering step sounded in my little room and then a voice came through the latch-hole man of noise how dare you thus you will wake up our young lady master roger let me in know you not your own landlord the learned schoolmaster was so astonished that he could scarcely draw back the bolt is it so is it so indeed i thank the lord for sending thee was all he could say while he stood there shaking both my hands to the very utmost that his slender palms could compass friend llewellyn he whispered at last i beg thy pardon heartily for having been so rude to thee but it is such a business to hush the young lady and if she once wakes she talks all the night long i fear that her mind is almost too active for a maid of her tender years what young lady do you mean i asked is bunny become a young lady now bunny he cried with no small contempt then perceiving how rude this was to me began casting about for apologies never mind that i said only tell me who this wonderful young lady is miss andalusia the maid of scars every one now begins to call her there is no other young lady in the neighbourhood to my knowledge nor in the whole world for you i should say by the look of your eyes master roger burke rolls nevertheless put your coat on my friend and give your old landlord a bit to eat i trow that the whole of my house does not belong even to miss delushy have i not even a granddaughter to be sure and a very fine damsel she is i and a good and comely one though she hath no turn for erudition what we should do without bunny i know not she is a most rare young housewife the tears sprang into my eyes at this as i thought of her poor grandmother and i gave master burke roll's hand a squeeze which brought some into his as well let me see her was all i said it is not easy to break her rest unless she is greatly altered she is not in bed she is singing her young friend to sleep i will call her presently this was rather more however than even my patience could endure so i went quietly up the stairs and pushing the door of the best room gently there i heard a pretty voice and saw a very pretty sight in a little bed which seemed almost to shine with cleanliness there lay a young girl fast asleep but lying in such a way that none who had ever seen could doubt of her that is to say with one knee up and the foot of the other leg thrown back and showing through the bedclothes as if she were running a race in sleep and yet with the back laid flat and sinking into the pillow deeply while a pair of little restless arms came out and strayed on the coverlet her full and lively red lips were parted as if she wanted to have a snore also her little nose well up and the rounding of the tender cheeks untrimmed to the maiden oval down upon these dark lashes hung fluttering with the pulse of sleep while heavy clusters of curly hair dishevelled upon the pillow framed the gentle curve of the forehead and smiling daintiness of the whole near this delicate creature sat in a bending attitude of protection a strong and well-made girl with black hair jet black eyes and a rosy colour spread upon a round plump face she was smiling as she watched the effect of an old welsh air which she had been singing ard hide e nos to look at her size and figure you would say that her age was fourteen at least but i knew that she was but twelve years old as she happened to be our bunny you may suppose that this child was amazed to see her old granny again once more and hardly able to recognize him except by his voice and eyes 
and manner and a sort of way about him such as only relations have for really if i must tell the truth the great roundness of the world had taken such a strong effect upon me that i had not been able to manage one straight line towards newton nottage for something over six years now perhaps i have said that the admiralty did not encourage our correspondence and most of us were very well content to allow our dear friends to think of us so that by my pay alone could my native parish argue whether i were alive or dead it would not become me to enter into the public rejoicing upon the morrow after my well-accustomed face was proved to be genuine at the jolly there are moments that pass our very clearest perception and judgment and even our strength to go through them again and it was too early yet except for a man from low latitudes to call for rum and water the whole of this i let them know while capable of receiving it End of chapter fifty